Hi, my name is John. And my name's Chris. And, and this, this is Stay on, on Target. Hey, everybody, welcome to Stay on Target. We are your hosts. You can find us online at stayontargetpodcast.com. That's right, John. This week we are talking about. Uh, all the changes coming to Disney, possibly, <laughs> possibly? Question mark. Uh, yep. Not, not obviously like an exhaustive thing, but like uh, Bob Iger did like this this uh, huge, really long interview with, uh, on CNBC and like talked about uh, basically every aspect of the company, which we probably won't go into every aspect of the company, like the parks or like whatever, but like specifically Disney Plus and the, the movies uh, kind of strategy and all of the Marvel content um, and things like that. And, and, and uh, even down to like, you know, potential aspects of the company that they might be, you know, willing to sell. <laughs> so uh, yeah, anyway, um, we'll, talk, we'll talk about all that stuff, Chris. Yes, we will. Uh, and we have some news. Uh, but first, John, what have you been up to in the past couple of weeks? So I've been up to a lot. It's been it's been two weeks. Uh, you know, first week we had uh, family in town, and so we like we did, you know didn't have. It. And then, then the next week I was I was stuck uh, <laughs> not in near a microphone um, unexpectedly. Uh, and and once all that got worked out, and we like got back 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 home and everything. Now here we are, Chris. Two weeks later, and I've done a lot of things. Um, All right, hit me. Where do you want to? I guess I'll start from. The, I'll start chronologically. Sonic oh, Origins Plus, Chris. Oh yeah, that came out. That's a great game. Um, yep. The package it, is. Uh, it, it comes in has like this awesome. Like I got the physical edition, so it has like this art book in it. Um, it's very cool. The uh, the weird thing about it. So the only weird thing about it is that the plus portion of it. You know how like it was they released Sonic Origins last year. Um, and then this year they released the plus, right? And so if you already owned Sonic Origins, you could buy like a DLC add-on with the plus content. Um, and then they also simultaneously released the all of that as one package. But Chris, it's literally other than saying plus on every bit of, of packaging, it's literally that exact thing. It's it's the game, which is Sonic Origins, and then a DLC code inside the box, which is for the plus portion. So like it's not just like all on the same cart. Um, you still have to download it and, and redeem that uh, the the DLC for the the plus content, which the plus content is a bunch of game, all the ga- Sonic Game Gear games uh, that ever existed, really, um, here and in, in Japan. So like, there's some really cool stuff like that that was never released in the U.S. Um, but dude, like it's, uh, we start, you know, playing through it and it's a, uh, they got the cut scenes in between each game. They've got like, uh, the mode, the, the main mode, the classic story mode or whatever that they put you through with the, with those cut scenes and, um, of Sonic one, Sonic two, Sonic CD, and then Sonic three all stitched together with like cut scenes and, uh, anime kind of, uh, studio trigger cut scenes, um, telling the story of the games. They... Like in there, there's the mode is like it, you don't have lives, so you can't lose. Like so, if you if you uh, if you die as Sonic, you just got like reloaded to the last checkpoint infinitely, which is really cool. Like it's a very uh, very fun way to experience that game, um, those games. And then also you can like retry. You like earn tokens, or, like rather than con- getting continues, like by getting um, you know hundred rings or whatever, you get like tokens to retry the Chaos Emerald levels. So like whenever you find. Uh, the portal to get to like the chaos emerald levels. Those levels are typically like really hard. Um, and so as you kind of get a hundred rings or find a, find a, a box uh, with a sonic head in it in the world, rather than getting a, a new life or whatever, you get a new try at the chaos emerald. So, um, you get to, you know, I, basically I'm, I'm in the middle of it right now, um, in Sonic two, and I've gotten all the, all the emeralds that, you know, so far, which is really fun. It's a, it's a cool experience to, to get, to be able to play those games in 2023, um, rather than just like them bringing them forward and be like, Hey, here's some ports. It's a, uh, it's a fun way to experience those games. I would say as they are, they're also widescreen. Um, now, so like they, they're you know they look like a you know the more real estate on the uh, on the on the game. I, I got them on Switch, so playing them handheld is also really fun. Yeah, dude, it's a lot of fun. I haven't played it as much as you, but I uh, I've played I started a couple of the Game Gear games and yeah. started playing through everything. Uh, 
I like the only bummer, and I think you mentioned it whenever when it first came out. Uh, the only bummer is the fact that that DLC is or that the, all the extra content you have to download it. I'm like, yeah. okay, why if this is a physical edition? <laughs> yeah, why is this d- download only? Yeah, it's it's basically the 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 Sonic Origins Plus release is basically just like a label swap <laughs> and a DLC card in there. You know, it's yeah. like okay, weird. Seems super weird. Um, and even like in the like eShop, like if you buy this digitally, there's like a set there's a there's a separate uh, card for it. Like there's it's a separate thing that you buy. Like there's two things in the in the in the eShop where the Sonic Origins and the Sonic Origins Plus. And the Sonic Origins, if you buy that, you can then buy the DLC. Um, or you can buy sort of Sonic Origins Plus, and it's basically just it includes both of these two items. It's like a bundle almost. It's very it's very odd how they've uh, how they've gone about the Sonic Origins. Uh, releases um both the sonic origins original one and the sonic origins plus thing um but from like a museum aspect they have all the manuals in there and they have like this you know these really extensive kind of of looks at the games in there too which is really cool um i'm i'm very into it man and i it's it's so fun yeah dude um the next thing that i'll talk about is i uh, i played uh way more of i'm in the middle of detective pikachu one on the 3ds um, and dude, that game is so fun. So like if anybody, you know, has a 3DS and can get access to the, to the game, it's really fun. The sequel's coming out later this year. That's why I'm playing through it right now and, and being, you know, more purposeful about playing through it. Um, it's super charming. The story is fascinating seeing like all of the, the different Pokemon outside in the real world. It's very much like a, it's less like a, like less like a Pokemon game and more like a just alternate universe game. Cause you got like, uh, you got, you know, Ludococo or whatever, like uh, serving coffee at the coffee shop. <laughs> And, and like they're just like living uh, just a life with all these Pokemon, and you kind of go and you talk to the Pokemon through Detective Pikachu, and you talk to the humans through uh, the kid whose name is Tim, and uh, the the overall mystery is that you know obviously just like the movie, Tim's father is missing, and so you're you're kind of like investigating that. Um, the the character of Detective Pikachu is super charming, slightly different than the movie, but also like not different like they feel like they're kind of spins on the same character which i I thought was really good i was like man that's you know hopefully it doesn't feel like a completely different character it definitely does not um it's a blast to play i really wish that they would release it on switch like an updated version of it like on switch um i don't understand why they're locking it to the 3ds whenever they have the sequel coming out but anyway it's it's a blast to play did uh like uh did they still haven't announced like any kind of remake for that right (sighs) No, and it's like that's such a bummer. Um, yeah, it, it's it feels like such a miss to me because it feels like you could like put it out there and then have like a, a dual pack or something like that where like you you buy the second game and you get the, the you know here's like a you know both games in one game or whatever. Um, almost how Sonic Origins Plus is doing with the DLC. Um, it just feels like such a such a like they're leaving money on the table um, because if somebody wanted to onboard into that that. Uh, Detective Pikachu franchise, like, what are they going to do? Just grab the second one? I don't know. You know, that seems that seems risky. Because, <laughs> um, like, how are you going to know what's going on? Like, you, you, this is, you know, I don't, it, obviously haven't finished the first game, so don't know how it ends. I also, you know, obviously know very little about the second game, other than that it just exists. So maybe they onboard well. I don't don't know. Um, the other thing I've been doing, Sonic Frontiers had a birthday update. Sonic's birthday happened. And so there's Wait, a, uh, I didn't know this. Yeah. So there's a birthday update. So all of the, oh. you can like add the, the party hats to all the cocoa, like all the cocoa. How do I, like, how do I get in there? Cake. How do I do that? I just have to launch the game. Yeah. Just launch the game and it'll, it'll download it. It'll basically tell you like, do you want to, to add the party hats? You can choose no, if you want the, like oh, the, cool. the original pure experience. Um, or you can do the party hats. I suggest the party hats. Like it's, it's a blast. The, the UI changes where it has all these bright colors. Um, the, the, there are crates, the breakable crates throughout the, the entire world are all, uh, presents like gifts. Um, and there's like, there's like party balloons everywhere. Like that you, you pop and things like that. Everything is rethemed. Um, for Sonic's birthday, which I thought was really cool. Nice. And obviously you can add, like you can take that off at any time if you want. Um, I just left it on cause it's just a, it's a blast. <laughs> it, it increases the number of smiles. <laughs> um, so yeah, get in there, get in there, play that game. I, I, I wonder when, like, didn't they say that there was going to be like story DLC or like character? Yeah. We're still characters? Wait, yeah. We're still waiting on uh, actual like, uh, content based DLC that's supposed to come, I think later this year, cool. uh, like this fall sometime. 
nice. Um, yeah, and then so then in addition to that, I, uh, I I I started watching. You know, we'll talk a little bit about some of the Marvel stuff later, but I'm talking about the. I, I watched the Secret Invasion show. It's the Nick Fury show on uh, Disney Plus. I've been watching that. Starts off really well. Uh, the there's like I'm three episodes in now, Chris. I'm three three or four episodes in, and it's it's lulled a little bit. It started off real well. <laughs> Is it still going? Like they're still it's, releasing episodes? Yep, it's still. We're in the middle of it right now, and I'm like, man, like hopefully it ramps up for the final like three episodes because like I'm, you know, it kind of like dulled down right after the first two episodes. I was really in on the first two episodes, and uh, in fact, they didn't release the first two at once. They released the first one. I watched that one, and the next week they released the next one. So it's like more of a traditional like week by week schedule. Um, and like that first week, I was like itching for that second one. I was like, man, when's the second one drop? When's the second one drop? Um, so anyway, and at this point, I'm four episodes in, and now I'm like, is the fifth one out? I don't even know. <laughs> so we'll see. That's how a lot of those uh, the Disney Plus uh, Marvel series have gone for me, aside from um, Hawkeye. That series was really good all the way through. Um, part of it might have been because it's like themed around Christmas, so it like really felt like, you know, Hey, it's the holiday season. You're just kind of, and it's just like, it, it doesn't have a lull in the middle. Like it's just like fun and, and like a normal show. <laughs> there isn't what appear to be like a, a, a like a, like let's relax and then spend all of our budget in the last two episodes. Like there is in some of the other Marvel shows or what there has been in the past is like spend all of your budget on the first two episodes. And then the rest of the series is just kind of like a, a taper. Um, anyway, I will finish it. I'll update everyone on, on once I get it done. I will say, like Samuel L. Jackson, such a great actor. Oh yeah, he's he's like, always always great. There are moments in the in this show, like the the first couple episodes, where like he's doing stuff, and you're like, oh my goodness, this they, like this dude, like Nick Fury and Samuel L. Jackson as Nick Fury, it's just like it's just so good. Um, so hopefully, hopefully again that that wraps up in a satisfying way. Um, it's something that uh, uh, two things, two last two last two things, Chris. The first one is Across the Spider-Verse. I won't linger here because of spoilers because you haven't seen it yet. Um, but Across the Spider-Verse is fantastic. It is because it's 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 a part one of two, basically. I can't like, I don't know where it's going to land. Like it, it, this one didn't meet the highs to me of Into the Spider-Verse. Like Into the Spider-Verse is masterpiece level to me, like 10 out of 10 kind of quality stuff there and this one is like just below that like 9.5 like ish like it's just like if i were to if i were to say one that i preferred i would prefer the first one probably from a just like oh my goodness this is such great storytelling but because this is a part one and then part two will happen later it kind of leaves me at the point where i'm like how can i really judge this one again like it's not it's not complete you know what i mean yeah i mean i mean kind of i mean i like i it's kind of like you know the the middle uh, movie in a franchise or something like that. Like, I yeah. mean, I, I feel like if it still if it still has a an arc to it, you know, a uh, a climax, and it feels like it, there's some resolution, even if the resolution is, you know, the the bad guy is still here for now. Right, you know, right. like that's still a resolution. True, um, true. Everybody ends up in peril and things like that. Yeah. Like that's is still, you're right. Like Empire Strikes Back style. You're like, Oh yes. man. <laughs> yes. Um, yeah. Yeah. And on that, on that front, I think it does that job incredibly well. Um, so yeah. And, and visually it is stunning. There are some brand new characters that are just fantastic. The same way that like the, you know, that Miles and like uh, Spider Gwen and and, uh, and and everybody was in the first one, um, it's just a real good movie. Everybody should go see this in the theaters if you can. Um, the sound is is incredible. Uh, the music is really good. It, the different worlds that they go they go to uh, Spider Gwen's world, and the music is dr- drastically different there than in Miles, which is really cool. Um, and yeah, it's just everybody should watch it. It's real good. Um, so across the Spider Verse, Chris, go see it. Um, the last thing, Chris, and this is something that everybody who has HBO... Or no, no, no. I'm just going to call it HBO Max, Chris. That's what we decided, right? Oh, no, we, it's, it's Max. I mean, it's called it's Max, Max, but I, I still feel like if we just... All, if everyone universally was like, <laughs> no, 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 it's HBO Max, it just it would never catch on. I, I still call it HBO Max. Anyway, Max, there's a new series that everybody who has Max can watch. It is on Cartoon Network um, in the Adult Swim 
uh, section, and it is called My Adventures with Superman. And it's a cartoon. It's a, uh, it, and it kind of has like an anime uh, vibes to it, but it is fantastic. The first two episodes are on Max right now. I think it airs on Friday nights on Adult Swim on Cartoon Network. So if you have that, you can watch it there, or you can wait until Saturday uh, and watch it on Max. Um, and, the, and so I'm, I'm anticipating the third episode a lot for this Saturday. Um, so it's, it's really good. It, it kind of is a, a twist, a new twist on, on Superman. He's young. They're all interns, him and Lois. And, uh, and, um, uh, uh, what's the camera guy's name? Chris, Jimmy Olsen, Jimmy Olsen. That's right. Um, yeah, they're all interns at the daily planet and it's, it's really fun and, and charming. Everybody is, uh, like the chemistry between those characters is really good. Um, so everybody should check that out too. Like if you like Superman, which I know you do, Chris, yes, this is a I must do. watch. It's, it's a All must right. watch. All right. It's that good. It's that good. It's, it's that good. And there's, they're only like 30 minute episodes. So like, you know, watch the first two, you can just kind of like put it on and have a quick little, uh, hit of fun and Superman adventure and, you know, move on with your day. So. All right. But that's what I've been up to. What have you been up to, Chris? <laughs> I'll try to keep it brief. <laughs> um, 16 well, minutes into the podcast. Yeah. Uh, so I'll, I'll focus on two things. So I, I saw uh, Indiana Jones um, and the Dial of Destiny. Yes. It was really great. Um, I liked oh, it a lot. Liked it. it was, yeah. I mean, yeah. And, I mean, so if you look at the Rotten Tomatoes, I looked it up afterwards, you know, because yeah. like I try to go into these things without like getting super biased. Yeah. But it's hard to ignore the, the, um, I don't know, just the, the general cons not even consensus the vibes yeah the vibe it was it was great if you look at rotten tomatoes here i'll i'll look it up right now like last i looked at it the the critic uh score was actually going up and cool. um but it was one of those movies where the critic score was uh lower than the um the, the audience, audience score. score yeah and so like it's like one of those things where you're like okay they're just this is like, not meant to be an Oscar-winning movie, you know. Like, and I don't know. Like, you're talking, you're talking, talking about like a, a franchise. Hang on, Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny. You're talking about a franchise. Yeah, like okay. So the the um, uh, critic score sixty nine percent, not bad, not bad, uh, but almost seventy. Um, I, I can't remember if it's seventy or seventy five that makes it certified fresh. I don't remember either. But audience score of eighty eight percent, like, and I would put yeah. it there, yeah. Like, so, like the cool, you know, we're we're sitting here trying to, like, as a critic, and we're saying like this is the last um, Indiana Jones possibly, uh, like we're we're trying to compare it to a a movie that, um, came out in the the early eighties, you know, like, hmm. right when did when did so when did um when did uh. It would have been the first. Yeah, it would have been eighties. Yeah. Uh, let me see here. Let me look it up. Indiana Jones. It was, wasn't it before Empire Strikes Back? Uh, Temple of Doom was eighty four. Where's the first one? Why is that not coming up? <laughs> <laughs> Indiana Jones eighty one. So, cool. um, like we're talking about a movie, a classic movie. Yeah. And. Over like forty years ago, over forty years ago, hmm. and trying to say this needs to hold up to one of the like most classic movies of all time, and it's like that's hard to do, you know. Um, I think we you faced a little bit of that with with Star Wars, you know, yeah, like with yeah. you know any of the Star Wars. I think the difference there was the fact that we had had the installments in the like the 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 prequel trilogy. Mm -hmm. So like it, you know, the, there there was something else to compare it to besides just the originals, like a more um, modern, yeah. Yeah, but anyway, I, I it's great. I I think it's if if that this is truly Indiana Jones last uh last movie, it's a great send off. Cool. Um, That's good and to know. Yeah, like it, it it's uh, it's not the Crystal Skull. I mean, I like Crystal Skull, but like yeah. it's 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 better than Crystal Skull. Um, I think the action's great. The the whole there's a whole section. What you know, you've seen this in the previews mm -hmm. with you know like young Indiana. Um, what percentage it, it, of the movie is that? Like, is it like how long does that last? 
I don't know specifically because I wasn't looking at my watch. Sure, sure. Uh, but it's probably at, it's at least the first, um, the first I would say twenty twenty five minutes of the movie. Nice. That's awesome. That's really cool to know too, because like being able to like have you know that young indie, you know, yeah, have a have a kind of a complete story of that, like like what could be like an episode of a, of a you know of of some television there, like a short and short episode right. of television. Like that's just fun. You know, that's just yeah, real cool. I mean, it, is, it is. It's really cool. I think the only discount, I mean, so the, the, the visuals actually look great. Like, you know, I mean, we've seen them do this a few times, you know, with like Robert Downey Jr. And, uh, one of the Marvel movies, I can't remember which one he was like, it was young. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and some other, other movies, we seem to do it a few times. There was only a couple times where I was like, okay, that looks a little funky. Mm. But then uh, the only this thing movie that, or like just in, in general? This, in, no, in Indiana Jones, the new okay, one. Okay, okay. The only thing, though, that gives it away is that it's old Indy's voice. So it's like Harrison Ford's voice now <laughs> in young <laughs> yeah, Indiana yeah, yeah. Jones's body. And you're like, hmm, this you're is like, not hot. But you're it, like, it, man, it takes, he, must, he must have just come off of like a, <laughs> come off of like a cold or like, you know, just, just done, a, yeah, done some, because it, well, it's some the shots of bourbon or something. It's the tone of his voice, and it's like the the pace at which he's talking. You know, is like yeah, a little slower. Yeah. Um. But it 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 only takes your mind about. I would say it took me about five minutes to kind of cal- recalibrate to this new thing, and I forgot about it. Cool. Um. So anyway, great. I really enjoyed it. It's a great movie. Um. I recommend it. Uh, Man, definitely I'm go see, to see it. it. Yeah. Be, like. I don't know. I don't. I feel like it's not doing well. I don't know. Like I don't. I don't know. I don't really know how well it's doing, but I do know. Like so, th- there definitely there has to be like this. Whenever this happens, there's usually a disconnect between like initial like reviews or how like you know movie critics are are viewing uh, a movie versus how like you know geek critics or geek you know geek journalists or whatever are are, are viewing a movie like. Uh, because like I, there's like you're like the th- second person that's told me that it's, that they really enjoyed it, yeah. And like whereas initially it was like you know it was like oh man it's you know it's it's not you know not as good or whatever like that was the like before it even came out hit theaters like that was the thing because um, it was at like at a film festival and it was like oh yeah, yeah lukewarm reception at the film festival and I'm like and then you know whenever it finally again, came out that's in front of a crowd they're used to like they're used to like art house movies you know yeah. like. The, I don't know that the original Raiders of the Lost Ark would have done well there. <laughs> Probably <So>, not. <laughs> you know? Yeah. I, I don't yeah. know. You kind of just have to measure these things for what they are. Yeah. Not, not trying to like measure it against, you know, an Oscar winner. Yeah. Yeah. Or, or literally, yeah. Like, you know, just the fact that like, Hey, they, they might've been, you know, won't, like the next movie that they watch is probably like, oh yeah, you know, nobody's heard of this movie. <laughs> yeah. Versus you know, Indiana Jones. So it's like, yeah. So it, I don't know. Like, it just seems like there is a, there was a disconnect because again, like I haven't heard from anybody in person, like any any friends or anything, th- that it's bad. You know, that it's yeah. not a good movie to go see. So like, you know, so I'm excited to go see it even more now. So, um, awesome, dude. I'm I'm pumped. Um. So then, oh, sorry. I said I had two. Uh, one thing. I have two things. Uh, I saw another two other movies. One. Uh, I saw the new No Hard Feelings. Uh, this the comedy with Jennifer Lawrence. It was really good. I recommend cool. it. It was a good like you know s- summer kind of romantic comedy kind of thing. It was really really good. Um, oh. And then I and then I saw the rom com uh, is back, Chris. Uh yeah. Uh right now it is. Uh and then I saw <laughs> the the Little Mermaid and it was really good. Um. I uh, I really enjoyed it. I thought it was it was really well done. You know, I, this is probably only the second live action uh, Disney movie I've actually liked. Mm-hmm. Um, this this one and Aladdin are are my are the two. Dude, surprisingly, um, Aladdin is it was like I mean I say surprisingly, but like Aladdin, like whenever I watched that, I was like I was I was so impressed. <laughs> oh yeah, I don't know they did. I think they did a great job, it's and so I think good. they did a great they did a great job with this. They they cool. like the story sticks to. Um, you know, a lot of the storyline, like there's some just really cool, like visuals in this. I think they did a really cool. good job. I, I have, I have really like only, only two critiques of the movie. Uh, and I liked, I, here's the thing. I like, I even loved, liked the extra things they put in. A lot of times I'm like, I don't like, why did you put this song in or this yeah. song or this thing changes the, the original like motivations for a character or something like that. None of that, like the extra stuff kind of like just made it feel bigger and fuller, um, cool. which was cool. Um, the only criticisms I have is they kind of like they did with, um, uh, I feel like they did this with the Lion King. 
or another one that I can't remember right now. Um, the songs aren't don't feel as like full because mm. they don't like have any of the sea creatures sing. So like in Under the uh. Sea, like in Under the Sea, it's just Sebastian and they fill it out with Ariel's kind of doing a duet with him because there's no other, there's no backing vocals. But wait, Chris, no other... so, so you're telling me that the, 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 the ace doesn't play the bass? No, the ace doesn't play the bass. The carp and the doesn't play the harp? Blow, no, none of that. <laughs> oh, um, no! <laughs> yeah, that, and then, so it's really noticeable on that song okay. and really and really noticeable on Kiss the Girl when the, all the, like, uh, yeah, the, the sha-la-la-la-la-la. Yes, yeah. none of that stuff. Like, that stuff's kind of there. They have, um, they have uh, Flounder and Scuttle kind of fill that out, but it's not, mm, okay. it's not, it's not as like joyous and as like full and it doesn't feel like as big, you know, like it kind of feels like all this. Yeah. It does. All this is, it's just the music felt kind of downplayed. And I'm like for a, for a, a movie that is like with songs as well known as that, it feels kind of like doing the songs a disservice. I don't know. Like I, I forget, I forget, I'm trying to remember the other, the other movie that was like that. Maybe it was Lion King, but like, um, it just feels I mean, like Lion there's this King random, didn't ha- I mean like, yeah, it feels it feels like there's this random rule that they've like implemented for these live action movies somehow mm. that the like surrounding animals can't sing they can court they can apparently do choreography but they can't sing in these in these things in these movies yeah the, the, yeah, there were. I, if I remember correctly, like I just can't wait to be king was a little yes. bit like yes. uh, muted yes. as far as like that goes in Lion King, and uh, that was yes, it was basically largely due to the fact that they they really doubled down on like these are realistic animals. They wouldn't move that way, or they you know right. <laughs> they they wouldn't do that, and it's within, like within the and ones I'm like, that are singing wouldn't either. So yeah, and like where's the orchestra? Like right, they're not out there right. on the Serengeti, you know. <laughs> right. Um, I know. So yeah, yeah. I mean, so I, I, yeah. Interesting. That's, that's an interesting my, that's choice. My, yep. That's my first criticism, and then my only other criticism is that the uh, the movie, just overall movie, because a lot of it just take, takes place either at night or underwater. It's just dark. Mm. Like it's just like a really like the I, color like, palette. Yeah. Not even not really even the color palette. It's just like there's no light. Like it's just really black around. Interesting. Like the like the. It just feels like it's like um, I while I was sitting there, I'm like, man, this is not gonna play well on my TV because my TV um, it's an LG and they have this like power saver mode or something like that. When when scenes are really dark, it'll just like auto dim and make it even darker. I'm like, it's just gonna be dimmed the whole time, mm. and I'm not gonna be able to watch this movie at home. Mm, that's a bummer. Um, there, like that the, that has happened in other movies, like. Um that were an, like animation to, I feel like that, that also is, is, is something that, you know, that, that these movies kind of struggle with the, the live action remakes basically, um, is that getting the lighting to where it's like, Hey, this, you know, it's not as it, like vibrant is the, is the word that I use because it's like, I don't know, like, you know, these like animation, it's like, the, you know, those are not the colors that are what reality is. And so if you dedicate, you like double down on the, oh, this needs to be realistic. It's going to be, a little bit darker, a little bit less, uh, less, you know, vibrant. So yeah, interesting. I'm so anyway. super excited to 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 watch that one. Um, and now with your recommendation, I'm even more excited to to watch that one. Yeah. Um, dude, super cool. Well, that was a lot of what we went up to. So uh, <laughs> it's time to talk about the rest of of what we have to talk about, starting with the news. The news! All right, John, the news. Um, so uh, we'll keep it brief. Uh, I pulled up an article on IGN. Um, this uh, this is from, I'm going to like do the latest update. Um, so, and, and then we'll, and then we'll get into what, what else happened this week. So the title, uh, this is from uh, Wesley Ian Poole uh, from IGN. A Microsoft deal could close soon with NASDAQ set to remove Activision Blizzard from their indexes. NASDAQ has in, in, announced its intention to remove Activision Blizzard from its indexes, indicating Microsoft may soon complete its $69 billion buyout of the company. The publisher, which is crazy. Let's just talk about like $69 billion. <laughs> Didn't Disney buy Star Wars for $4 billion? Dude, no, this is the big, like, I think, I think that lots of people have been citing this as like the, the biggest acquisition like entertainment acquisition ever. Yeah, it's it's insane. 
the publisher of Call of Duty, Diablo, and Candy Crush is expected to leave the U.S.-based NASDAQ 100 index on July 17th, the day before the deal's July 18th deadline. NASDAQ announced another company, the Trade Desk Incorporated, will replace Activision Blizzard on the stock exchange. The news comes after the Federal Trade Commission filed an appeal challenging the recent verdict from the United States District Court for the Northern District of California. The trial, in which Jacqueline Scott Curley, Corley ruled in favor of Microsoft, was held last month. Judge Corley issued a decision this week denying the FTC's request for a preliminary preliminary injunction against Microsoft's proposed acquisition of Activision Blizzard, noting the FTC, among other things, failed to prove the deal would be anti-competitive. Reacting to the appeal, the Activision Blizzard spokesperson told IGN, the facts haven't changed. We're confident in the we're confident the U.S. will remain among the 39 countries where the merger can close. We look forward to reinforcing the strength of our case in court again. In a separate statement, Microsoft President Brad Smith said the district court's ruling makes crystal clear that the acquisition is good for both competition and consumers. We're disappointed that the FTC is continuing to pursue what has become a demonstrably weak case, and we will oppose further efforts to delay the ability to move forward. The FTC's appeal will attempt to win a preliminary injunction blocking the Activision Blizzard merger with Xbox ahead of a scheduled trial in August. If the deal is not completed by July 18, Xbox will be forced to pay $3 billion to Activision Blizzard, and the buyout will potentially be open to renegotiation. We recently spoke to analysts who expressed confidence the deal will still go through. However, the FTC still has a few more options at its disposal, including the appeal. Meanwhile, Microsoft and Activision Blizzard's appeal against the UK's Competition and Markets Authority CMA decision to block the deal is on hold, while all parties thrash out a potential restructure of the buyout. The current temporary restraining order that prevents Microsoft from closing the deal expires at midnight on Thursday, July 13, which that's tonight, Uh, unless the appeals court rules before then that the TRO should be extended until a hearing. Microsoft is free to complete the acquisition from Friday, July 14, even with a pending appeal. However, currently such a move would be without an agreement with the CMA. So there's just some some legal stuff in there. Uh, Long story short, they've been battling for months. Um, and, and year even, yeah, it probably has, it hasn't been a year, not been a year been and a half, year. man. Um, and, uh, and they finally like got, um, a ruling in their favor. It, um, I don't know if you paid attention to any of the, uh, the trial, like I was, yeah, I, I, I kept, I kept, uh, apprised of a lot of it because there was so much that came out of it that was like yep. unintentional, like unintentional where it's like, Oh, we forgot to and, redact this. Uh huh. Well, like, I mean, it was all, li- the whole thing was live streamed. So like you had all these, yeah. like. I mean, I was following all these, you know, like IGN reporters or other people in the industry just watching the trial and basically live tweeting all the quotes and what they're saying and stuff like that. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I mean, it's not like, I'm, I'm not, again, I, I, I try not to be, uh, you know, just like an Xbox fan or something, but like Microsoft or so, Sony was being ridiculous. Like basically like, Basically, like claiming, like saying it was wrong that Microsoft was doing things that they themselves have done over yeah. and over and over again. It's funny because, like, like there was like the testimony with Jim Ryan, oh, she's the head of head of Sony or whatever, uh, and like, and he basically was like, he's like, they they tried to pin him down on like, is, like, is this is this uh, anti competitive? And he at at the end he said he's like he's like, well, I don't like it. But it's, I don't view it as anti-competitive, right? <laughs> you know, and it's like, it's like, well, well there you go, like, you know. And it, well, um, it was funny, like kind of in the last yeah. days, you know, talking about like the the you know exclusivity kind of stuff. Like, um, uh, I forgot who it was for Microsoft, but they testified um, that we don't actually want there to be exclusives. We'd rather right. there just be platforms. But right. Sony has forced us into this. Mm-hmm. Because they will not give up exclusives, and so because and they and they like they kind of pointed to what happened with um, uh, Elder Scrolls and Starfield. Like apparently, when the merger with Bethesda took place, um, they uh, they weren't going to be exclusive to Xbox, right? Um, and that was their pr- plan f- for profitability. But then I can't remember what it was. There was one thing I'd have to look it up again. But there's something that Sony did, and it it uh, ticked uh, Phil Spencer off so much. He's like, "Make him, make him exclusive. They're exclusive now." <laughs> and yeah. It's like what? Yeah. Good night. Yeah. 
Well, and then it also came out in the the thing that one of the main reasons why Microsoft was uh, planning, like, ended up buying Bethesda was because Sony was going to make a deal with Bethesda to make Starfield exclusive. Oh yeah, to theirs, yes. <laughs> yeah, and they were like, no, 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 we can't have we can't have them to have Starfield. Like, you know, sure they can have like the exclusive on uh, on you know Ghostwire Tokyo and like all these you know, a couple other Bethesda games, but Starfield is like the next big Bethesda RPG, and like we can't have them like make a deal for that to be exclusive. Let's buy the company. Um, and so they did. And yeah, and it's, it's, it's just interesting. Um, all that stuff coming out, all this, like these emails and things of, of people, like, I think it was like Matt Booty, like who's like, who runs some of the, uh, the game studios, you know, is, is the head of some of that stuff mentioned like, Oh, we could just spin Sony out of business. And it's like, who, whenever you wrote that, you did not anticipate that was going to end up in front of, you know, a, a, a judge somewhere. Um, and so, like, it's just, it was just a, like, very, like, interesting and dramatic look at the industry and, and a very, very highly competitive industry um, where there's, a, like, there's just a lot at stake and a lot of, a lot of money flying around right now, you know? Yep. It's crazy. Um, um, it was really funny. I, I, I love, there was, there was a few documents that, that someone at Sony had, uh, had redacted. Right. So they, they basically like would look at these documents and be like, show them to the judge, show them to the, 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 you know, and say, okay, well we can't share this information because that's all proprietary trade secrets. Like we don't want our competitors to know that. Right. And so they're like, all right, fine. Redact that. And so then somebody would go through and redact it. Um, but there's some documents that someone redacted, uh, from Sony with a Sharpie. <laughs> and whenever they scanned it, the light from the scanner, like shown through the Sharpie. And it's like, they found out so, so much information that had, had been like poorly redacted with a Sharpie, um, rather than doing it digitally or whatever. And so anyway, it's just, there's all sorts of stuff that people did not intend to be, uh, to be out there that just ended up out there. So, yeah. Yeah. Super, super interesting. I, as somebody who loves the video game industry, it was like, this is like the, one of the kind of best looks into like, you know, these companies that, that I think we'll probably get, uh, you know, ever. <laughs> so, uh, that's the news. All right, John. So, um, the main segment that we're going to talk, this is still technically news, I guess, but yeah, uh, still technically news, but, uh, so I, what, where I want to start is like the the uh, where where I what I texted you earlier. Yeah. And so this was this is a, a quote from Bob Iger. He had a he did an interview, um, like you said on uh, CNBC, and it was just a really long interview, um, talking about a lot of things, just about the business, and they had talked about like why he came back out of retirement and just like a bunch of things. Um, but the main like piece that kind of like got some traction in um, the news uh, is this quote talking about um, Marvel. And so uh, Bob, I guess this is a quote Bob Iger talked about from the, from the, this is from IGN from an IGN article about this. Bob, Bob Iger talked about all of Disney's recent box office disappointments, including elemental and Indiana Jones and the dial of destiny saying that the company's focus on streaming has quote diluted people's interest due to the overwhelming amount of movies and shows. And, uh, I, like just kind of starting there, um, I, like in the in the uh, in an interview, they they make a point to point out that like Disney has the the highest um, global box office total um, for any studio this year, um, but I can't think off the top of my head of any just like slam dunk. Uh, huge wins this year. I think it's just coming because they've released several movies this year, right? Avatar was last year, Way of Water. Oh, crap. I forgot Avatar. Is Avatar technically Disney now? Oh, yeah. Okay, well, then, yeah, forget about that. Yeah, it's that Disney, was last year. It's Disney it was last year. and Fox. I mean, they bought Fox, so... Yeah, it was, yeah. It was last year. That was last year. Um, yeah, so, I mean, so, unless they're, like, rounding in some of those, like, totals that would have happened, like, oh, yeah, you know, on the fourth or fifth week of showings um, this year then yeah like i i'm there with you it's like okay well, they got indiana jones they had elemental which was the pixar thing which like notably was uh, had poor box office um performance early on like for the first two weekends but then now it's like it's hasn't dipped as much as uh as much as people have expected it to hasn't fallen off so it's like it's getting a long tail but that long tail won't make up for it not being like a big thing to begin with um but yeah other than those like i, I mean 
I'm not, I'm not recalling like a ton of, of, you know, big, big hit movies from them. I mean, I guess you had like Quantumania, Ant-Man and Quantumania. Was that this year? That was this year? Um, I don't, yeah, what was it? Was, it? it, it was, um, oh gosh, which didn't do super well. You, I mean, you no, have Elemental, I, which didn't do great. Yeah. I guess, I guess Indiana Jones isn't, um, yeah, uh, I don't even know I mean, what else. You yeah, have. just off the top of my head, it, it, Little like Mermaid. The, the, I don't. I don't think it. I don't. I never heard that it was a flop. But it, you know, it didn't. It didn't do badly. I don't think it was like a, a massive hit, but it it made money. You know. <laughs> yeah. Um, and that's the thing. Like it, you know, the uh, the idea of of like a lot of their movies, and we've talked discussed like whether or not it's a good strategy. It remain. You know, is is up in the air like it's up to you know personal interpretation but B- disney tries to make big bets and get big returns like they they really try not to to just do like average performing movies right like they don't they don't like to have like oh yeah it it made a little bit of money like the disney usually is is like no it needs to make a lot of money um and that's just generally how they've been operating for the past you know decade and a half um of like hey we you know we will not do a sequel to something that that you know made money be, because it didn't make enough money. Like we could put that money into something that's like a, a mega hit, like what what you would typically have called like a Marvel movie. Um, for in in phase one, two, three, right. four. Is it well, phase like four I mean, and, and let's you know just to just to you know kind of focus in on this specific thing. Like I've been, I've talked before, and this is just anecdotally my own experience. So the, oh, this is not a scientific, you know, like, I don't know how everyone else behaves with it, but his comment would suggest that there people are generally kind of reacting the same. I, mm-hmm. there's, there's, if I, when I watch, uh, and you kind of referenced this earlier, if I'm watching a Disney plus show and it feels like it just drags on for eight episodes for no reason. And this all ties in with the larger like Marvel universe. And it's like supposedly this must watch kind of thing. Like I think about like, um, the new um, the, uh, Marvel's movie that's coming out. Yeah, technically, I need to watch like three uh different Disney Plus shows before that movie to fully like understand I mean, the origins Secret of Invasion. These... Depending on how Secret Invasion ends up, maybe, that's what I maybe mean. Four Secret Invasion, um, Miss Marvel, Marvel, and which was good, uh, and um, uh, 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 what's it called? Um, Wakanda, not not Wakanda Vision. Wand, Division. Wand. Well, you you watch Wand Division. You, you I, I know. The, but I was the saying, like, one. if you say you do watch none of it, like you have to, yeah. you need to watch three different shows before you watch that movie to understand sure. where these characters are coming from. And it's like that's ridiculous. Like, because we're talking mm. about hours upon hours of television versus like, oftentimes before it'd be like, well, you just watch this one other movie, mm-hmm. and you've got the origin for this person, this team up movie, or. Three movies, which could be maybe if you're watching three movies, six hours versus you're telling me I have to watch three television series that are probably six hours each. Yeah. Well, I mean, there's there's also uh, so there's there's the um, Captain America and Winter Soldier as well. Um, or do you think, we, do you think we need that Winter, before this one? And Winter Soldier. I don't know. That's a good question. Like how much of these are necessary? And this is the part of like part of the problem that I've had with the approach is that it's unclear. It is unclear to me like how much of this you need because the shows don't really, you don't need, like you don't need Quantumania to dive into Secret Invasion. Like I know that because I didn't watch Quantumania and I haven't, you know, I'm, I'm fine with Secret Invasion. But like Secret Invasion is gonna, is it, it deals with a character like that probably will play into like the next big Marvel thing you would assume. Um, so, but it's unclear. It's just completely unclear. And it reminds me, Chris, of, of comic books. Like it reminds me of like big event comic books where like you have like these things that cross over with other books and you're like, well, how much of this do I need in order to get the context for the big event that's happening in, in the book that I care about? Um, and so you end up like just like buying all these other comic books and reading them and being kind of like half invested in the whole thing. And so by the end of the day, whenever you get to those big ones, I just like, I just at a certain point, just stop caring uh, as much about the big events and like, just focus on like the small little stories that I care about. Um, and so that's where I feel like we've landed with the Marvel movies. Cause like every Marvel movie prior to, uh, to kind of the end of, uh, of the infinity saga, 
every Marvel movie was like required viewing. Like it was like, no, I mean, this is a big event. There's only like two or three of them a year, four of them, maybe tops a year. And I like, I'm going to watch those. And that's, that's, you know, that's six hours total. And I'm like, I'm caught up on everything. And then at post infinity war, you have a lot of TV shows and you're like, man, like that's a lot of investment and that varying degrees of quality. Um, Cause some of them are real good, like WandaVision and Ms. Marvel and then some of them are are more of your you know you know the the, the lower quality quality ones that we've run into here and there, um, but like I don't know man it's a it's a tough tough sell to to audiences, and quite frankly like you can't really market for the Disney Plus shows super well like in the same way that you do for the movies so like people are gonna miss them like they're gonna miss things unless they're like completely de- invested um whereas like it was hard to it was hard to ignore whenever a new marvel movie would come out because like you'd see the trailer um everywhere you'd see the posters everywhere whereas like i don't see secret invasion posters anywhere you know it's like that, that show is just kind of like come out and it's like well this is starring samuel l jackson like one, one of the biggest actors and best actors and uh and i just you know they don't have the marketing push for it so it's there's a lot of problems with like having so much content. Um, they talk that in that quote, like that IGN pulled out, like the larger quote that he has here. I, I wanted to read from from this point here. It's just a little earlier. Um, he says, uh, "Quote Bob Eger says, quote We would have liked some of our recent releases to have performed better." Uh, it's reflective for not as a problem from a personnel perspective, but I think in our zeal to basically grow our content significantly to serve mostly our streaming offerings, we ended up taxing our people way beyond in terms of their time and their focus way beyond where they had been before. Uh, Marvel's a great example of that. They had not been in the TV business at any significant level. Not only did they increase their movie output, but they ended up making a number of television series, and frankly, it diluted focus and attention. And I think you're seeing that uh, as more of a cause than anything else. Um, so he's talking about not only like was it taxing, like was it diluting the audience? He's talking it's taxing the the people who are making the content, and we've we've heard reports of like the visual effects artists on, on, you know, Quantumania and, uh, Wakanda forever. And, you know, these television shows like the third working like overtime and all this stuff. And it's like, they're barely coming in under the line for some of the VFX. Um, and to like some of the VFX that we've seen have like reflected that level of like, you know, just sneaking it under, under across the finish line, you know, kind of a uh, quality. Um, so yeah, you have like this kind of like, lots of things kind of piling on top of the Marvel cinematic universe to equate where, where we're kind of at in this lack of like caring, I guess from a lot of, from, from fans and audiences. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, it's like, I mean, this thing's wide ranging and talks about a lot of things. I want to, I want to, I want to, I want to give you some hot takes, John. These are my own hot takes. And then you can kind of respond with, with uh, like you've read most of this um, interview, or maybe all of this interview, I have I have yeah, not. I read all of it. Um, all right, so here's here's my here's my hot takes. This is what I would do if I was Bob Iger. Uh, number one, I made the comment to you. I'm like, I'm surprised he hasn't cleaned house yet, but I mm-hmm. feel like he's probably going to do something because he keeps talking in this in this uh, interview about like how they're 11 months, just 11 months into this this plan. <laughs> And it, yeah. like, it feels like it's very wide-ranging. Anyway, this is what I'd do. I'd put Dave Filoni in charge of Star Wars. I'd put John Favreau in charge of Marvel. I'd, yes, definitely, like, maybe not be so, like, date-driven so that my our digital animators can actually, like, make things look good. That'd be great. Um, I would... Uh, do something. I don't know what I'd do to the parks, but like I was reading an article over the weekend where the parks are the emptiest they've been in years. Um, so I'd I'd put somebody who cares about the parks and the customer experience, not just like I don't know what like, what they're focused on right now, but like something 
to uh, to the, revitalize it, that? It's interesting because, like, if you look at the domestic parks, like, so the domestic parks that have just finished, like, a couple of big celebrations. So, like, you had the 50, 50 year anniversary down at Disney World last year. So that, like, increased, uh, increased attendance there as well as the fact that like they had like just had have basically completed a bunch of lands right before the they closed for the pandemic then reopened and a lot of people like wanted to go see those um he references in the interview that they reopened uh florida like their park in florida before the majority of the rest of the world was open so a lot of people like it was the only place to travel and do a vacation for a really long time so like it was like well where are we going to go? Disney's open. Let's, it's the only place open. Let's go there. And so like, you know, there's obviously there's like a lot of like excuses that you can make for some of that. Um, but like at this point, the U S parks, uh, Disneyland and Disney world kind of are at a spot where like there's some construction happening and like, they're going to open like a couple new attractions like next year, but like largely their investment in the parks is overseas at this point. Like in in this point, and so like they've kind of neglected the overseas parks because of these anniversaries, because we had like a Disneyland anniversary, and then right back to back with the Disney World anniversary, um, they like put a lot of investment there. So now we're kind of rotating to the other side of the planet, and uh, and we're investing heavily in in kind of parks elsewhere, which is which is good for their business elsewhere. Like their business in other parks is is up um, in a lot of ways. So I don't know. You know, obviously it's it's all like you know this is all business. This is all like you know excuses that that you're talking to uh, on an, to CNBC about like basically you're speaking to shareholders or people who might want to invest or become shareholders. So you're gonna spin it. You're gonna spin spin a lot of things. totally. Oh yeah. I mean um, yeah. This whole this whole thing that he's very like positive. Like well the uh, the board's very happy. I'm very happy. And they, and they yeah. may be. But like uh, yeah. So the, and these are just like these are just hot takes. I'm just saying like based on the sure. based on the on the uh, the other thing I do like with Pixar. I mean I don't. I think you can make a case and an argument that. I mean, like in many ways, the Disney animation studios have outpaced them in terms of like original storytelling and um, compelling stories. And either they are not marketing them well to us. Like, I mean, Elemental might be good. It might be bad. I don't know. I never saw it. I didn't even get pumped, but I wasn't excited for it. Like, it didn't make me want to go watch it, like whatever they're doing. Um, yeah. Yeah. Like, the, I like, mean, if, like, in order, like, in order for Pixar to be relevant again, they're going to have to get somebody there who's going to tell a story that people want to go see well so i mean i think that that largely though with with specifically pixar their movies like three releases um came to disney plus like a, 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 like not to theaters yes yeah, so they just no, didn't so there's come no to reason theaters. to go see them yeah yeah and so like i think that the thing is like audiences got so used to oh pixar is now a direct to home streaming video. movie house yeah it's like oh it's just like a netflix animation or it's just like a you know like like you know you would even say like you know that dreamworks animation was hitting theaters and like it's like okay so the dreamworks would have more prestige than a pixar it's like oh, it kind of does that, i mean at this point yeah that's the perception yeah um and so, like you now, you're working against you know the perception of like okay, the, these are not as big of a deal or they're not as important. And so, like you're kind of like just now with like you've released I think th uh, two movies to theaters now um, from Pixar, and the last one did didn't do super well. Then Elemental's doing better than that one, obviously. And so, like you're you're basically starting from the ground, like you're starting from a, a marketing perspective. You're starting for with public perception to rebuild the perception of those movies in right. that studio regardless yeah. of what you think of the of the actual like quality of the sh of the movies um because like that's waned and you know waxed and waned over time anyway um the other thing like you mentioned like the it, it, Walt Disney animation um like kind of taking the torch and running forward with it from Pixar is absolutely true because they integrated those studios uh at one point i think it was in like 2015 ish um, they like basically took all, both all those studios and like basically remixed all the all the people that was in them, and threw them like took people from Pixar, put them in uh, Walt Disney Animation, took people from Walt Disney Animation, put them in the Pixar stuff to just kind of like build up like try an attempt to like build up both, um, which is a great idea. But at the same time, like if you take a lot of like your your talent and put them into another studio, don't be surprised if that other studio starts performing the way you would have expected the original one to. Right. Yeah. Um, you're, yeah. It's like uh, yeah, it's the sharing I mean, of talent. And it, it's well, like, it's well, like, it's well, like, well, it's like hey, we're going to we're going gonna... to put all of our good talent and spread it out. Like, well, you're also spreading out your bad talent too. Then. 
Well, yeah, or or you're just spreading out like you're 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 shaking up a creative system. Everything everything's gonna fed into itself, right? Yes, because like in a creative environment, like you're all bouncing ideas, and and it's like if you remove those those like elements, the people, the artistic people from those environments, in a lot of cases, like you just kind of shake up what you're getting, right? And so you know, don't be don't be surprised if it shakes it up, and that's what's what's happened. so yeah, I mean, it's not like, like I said, it's, it, I don't, I don't know necessarily know that it's tied to any like specific thing. It's like just like with all these small decisions that they've made over over the, the last like six years have really affected the output of uh, of the studios and the, and the public perception specifically. Well, he and he of talks about yeah. And well, my and my point to going down this is not so we can just like hear, see her and conjecture, but like like so he talks about the the uh, day and date stuff, correct? Yeah. In his interview, yeah. So he talks about yeah, the day yeah. and date. He talks stuff. about how that was the the three movies that they released only to Disney Plus was just a mistake, right? Um, like so, he talks about that in there. Uh, when it comes to like Marvel, he's he's really blaming you know the the streaming, which I'm not. I don't think he's. I don't think he's wrong. Like you're you're taking. He's he's saying what he's saying is you're taking attention away from the movies by pouring mm-hmm. so much and having so much available all the time, constantly on Disney. Plus, and I don't think he's wrong necessarily. Right. right. Uh, I mean, he also talks about later on in the interview. He mentions that uh, here. I'll see if I can find it um, because it's a, it was it was like I was like, my goodness, that is fascinating. Um, so I'm gonna do a search in here for one of the words that I know he said. Uh, let's see. Boop boop boop. Okay, here you go. Um, so they talk about streaming. He says we were a victim of our own success in that in that business in many ways in that we anticipated that we would sign up four or five million subscribers in the first year of operation. He's talking about Disney Plus. And he says, we signed up 10 million subscribers in the first 24 hours. We got to 100 million subscribers faster than anybody had ever done it by far. Uh, the business is not even four years old for us. It's tr- it's uh, three... Uh, three three plus years old. Netflix, which is a tremendous business and they've done a tremendous job, is 15 years old. So we're still a baby here. And what I mean by that is we're still learning. Um, it talks about how like they had it priced really low to begin with. Um, and so like they had like kind of the, this, uh, you know, all of these people at a low price and they didn't have the technology. He goes on to talk about like the technology um, was not there. Like the, initially they didn't have any way of leading people around. They didn't have like an autoplay to the next thing. They didn't like push you say, Oh, here's what you should view based on what you viewed in the past. Like they had no algorithms for feeding people through the content that they had. And then he talks about how they invested money into the content rather than the technology. Initially they got all these subscribers and they're like, Oh no, we got to create content for these people so that they'll stick around and so he talks about that they put, I'm trying to look for the, the number. Um, yeah. So he says, we spent uh, $5.5 billion was their like, was what they, they spent on content. And only, I think he says like 3 billion of that was non-sports content. So the 3 billion of that, it was like specifically for, for like Disney plus original series and things. Um, and he talks about how like they basically spent a ton of money to create a lot of content. So which is where a lot of the Marvel shows got greenlit. We're like, okay, what can we spin up content for? They're like we got all these Marvel characters. Let's make shows for all of them. Um, we've got Star Wars. Let's make shows for those. And which was a little bit like they were a little bit more um, reserved about their Star Wars content because they had other movies coming out at the time. And so like, you know, so they basically you know, eased their way into Star Wars. Anyway, but like he saw, talks about like they basically greenlit a bunch of content and that's not the approach that they should have taken. They should have taken the approach of investing that into technology, which basically uh, helped people view the content that, that was already there and surf that content um, rather than just greenlight a bunch of new shows. Fascinating, man. Yeah, I mean, like, and, and I, you know, it's, I don't know that, like, And they're probably right. I think they probably did, you know, like, but like, it doesn't mean that 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 was, you know, like (laughs) you do what's right in the moment sometimes in the short term, but like not realizing the long-term ramifications of it. Like, yeah, they're right. If, if, if they hadn't started a steady stream of content and there was a long, like, I think it is, it's kind of, um, there was a long while on Disney plus where like they, they didn't have like what I would call like, high production value, high quality content on there. Like they started off with like 
the world according to Jeff Goldblum. And as as fun as that was, it was not RIP. high production value. Yeah. Um, they had like that on there. Um, they had a lot of these behind the scene things on there. And then they kind of got like, um, was WandaVision first or the Mandalorian first? I can't remember. WandaVision, yeah. I believe, was first. And and then, but then it was, uh, yeah, there was like huge, there I don't was know. a That's huge a question, gap Chris. between WandaVision and the next thing. And whereas now they kind of roll one to the other to the other. And if, you, and he's right. If you look at someone who's like a mature company like Netflix, when they're releasing a thing every week, which is insane. Um, but they're able to do it. That being said, like, I mean, the app was functionally kind of broken at times <laughs> and really yeah. hard to deal with. Episodes yeah. out of order. Uh, yeah. Like, it, it literally didn't have, like, if you finished an episode, you had to get out and then get, like, click the thing for the, like, they didn't have, like, an autoplay right. for the longest time. Yeah, which is He references which is in the insane. article that their technology that they did have was about, like, the quality that, like he said, we could you could stream really high quality from the beginning. He's like, you didn't have to wait for buffering or, or like the quality was really good. He's like, but we didn't have any any type of like discoverability uh, systems in place. So um, so weird. Yeah, it's 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 just and it's just like looking at it like obviously like you look back at it and you're like, oh my, like that was like rough and really kind of did did Marvel did a number on the Marvel uh, cinematic universe because they greenlit all these things that now have, have caused stress on the, you know, VFX artists and have caused, uh, you know, audiences to kind of, you know, stop caring as much about the, those properties and have like what you would identify as like superhero fatigue these days. Um, and like, man, it's a, like that, that's like, you look back at it and you're like, that's, yeah, that's kind of what happened. <laughs> Um, and yeah, it's, it's just interesting to, for, for him to kind of come out and like to, to talk about that and to, to, to say all of those things because like his, his view of like the path forward is to do like the, the interviewer is like, so you're talking about doing less content. He's like, yeah, I'm talking about doing less content. He's like, I'm talking about having higher quality, fewer content. Like, and he's like, you know, having a path of like, this goes to theaters and then it will go to uh, do be more traditionally go to uh, the like digital purchases, and then it'll hit Disney Disney Plus uh, after after a you know few mo- couple months. And he's like, that's the that's the path forward. Like, let's you know let's kind of decrease the number of uh, the high i like the the kind of core IP that they have, decrease the amount of those, and um, increase the quality and things. Um, I don't know where that leaves like things like that we love that uh, like Star Wars, like for example, you know, where it's like, okay, we're doing Ahsoka. We're going to end up doing uh, the next season of the Mandalorian. Like, I don't see those going anywhere that Disney has always had those things. Um, the animation side of things, like you've always had like a, a Star Wars television show, like Clone Wars or whatever going on uh, Cartoon Network or on a Disney uh, channel um, like Rebels. Um so I don't know, man. I, I I don't know where some of that content goes uh, from here, and whether they'll back off on a, like all of that stuff. But regardless, like things are changing. Like he even references in the article how like he's like I, I'm con- you know considering spinning off or selling um, like things like ABC or our cable networks or National Geographic and like these things that like are kind of like historically large spots for like ABC. He, he even talks in there that he came into the company via ABC. He was the head of ABC whenever they were bought by Disney back in the day. And then that's how he kind of got into the company. And he's talking about like potentially selling ABC because it might not make, you know, financial sense if they have a streamer, like a streaming platform or direct to consumer thing. So, you know, thing, things are definitely like going to shift and change. Um, just depends on like how, like what the timing of all of that is. Yep. Yep. Uh, and we'll see, I guess. I mean, so if you all, if y'all want to like, uh, read through the interview yourself, you can uh, find it on CNBC. Um, and, uh, read through that or there's, there are several articles out there kind of breaking down different aspects of it. It's, it's pretty long, you know, you'll spend probably, you know, what, 45 minutes reading it. Um, yeah, yeah, and, yeah definitely. Uh, I mean, and, and like I said, like it's, it's, it's meant to incur, like, he's not obviously going to get on here and be like, oh man, stuff's rough folks. You know, he's like, it's obviously well, meant to like, lines. to, yeah, exactly. To spin it in ways where it's like, oh, this is, this is, you know, we're all, you know, we're all positive here. We're all good uh, stockholders, you know, buy, buy Disney stock. But like, 
you know, it's just a, it's, it's an interesting look at the, the thought processes of the head of Disney. <laughs> yep. Yep. Yeah. This isn't like a Phil Spencer interview. I feel like Phil, you know, is pretty honest. Like this, yeah. this feels very, <laughs> yeah. like very PRE and, I mean, it's, uh -huh. it's, a, it's a very, like, bright outlook on, like, oh, yeah, the, but, like, I mean, I am surprised by how, you know, like, him talking about, like, you know, the a lot of the mistakes they've made and a lot of the, like, you know, I, I was surprised at how candid he did get, honestly. Agreed. And and it, and it was kind of nice. It, like, I mean, for me, like, I feel like it was it was nice for finally someone at Disney is is feels like they're saying the same things that we're feeling. And yeah, about specifically about Marvel, yes. like, and and some of the like, where it's like, man, like, there's an, there's another series that we have to, you know, we have to watch in order to like understand what's going on with the MCU. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, that's it for this week. You can find us online at stayintargetpodcast.com on social like Chris Wright two five zero. And John Wright 777. And at Stay on Target Pod, please go to your podcast for service of choice. Review us. Tell your friends about us. We really appreciate it. That's it for this week. We'll see you next time on Stay, Stay on, on Target. Target.